Hello and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm James. And I'm Callum. And this is the only podcast where I've got sand in my underpants. <laughs> Me too. Let's go home. That's the best. We did nine takes and that's the best we got. <laughs> And every week here on, every fortnight I should say, here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. Um, as always, a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, the number two. And you can email us at Two Hearts Podcast at gmail.com. That's two, the word two, to have your thoughts and feelings shared on the show. I would like to share my thoughts and feelings on our show right now, James, because I have, you've just alerted me to the fact that this is our 50th episode round of applause oh i hit my microphone 50 episodes that is um <laughs> honestly it's it's quite impressive for a a little project that started in the midst of the um of the the pandemic mm, mm. It, it, we, from little things definitely big things have have grown we, you know we have double digits of listeners now um <laughs> we occasionally remember to update our social media uh it's great we are thriving, <laughs> 50 and flirty. Um, but sincerely, from, from everyone here at Two Hearts, <laughs> from the whole production crew, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Um, it, it's, it's genuinely so heartwarming that anybody gives a shit enough to listen to us talk about this silly little show every two weeks. So, like, yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I echo James's sentiments as well, because I, I mean, I always knew we would get to this point, but it was such a far off, like, concept that, now that we're here, it's like, yeah, yeah I guess we did stick this with this. We didn't give this up. We, we did not give this up. Um, it's been kind of a running joke between Callum and I that we're probably like, we're at least sticking this out until we get to Clara, because if we don't, I will like combust. Um, <laughs> so you've got us for at least another 50 odd episodes. Mm. You've got us for another companion or two, um, three, if you can't River song. Um, and then we're going to get to Clara and then it's anyone's guess. I mean, we've talked so much about Jodie Whittaker already. We, do we need to do it again? We, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, that is going to be interesting. Um, and I mean, okay. For listeners at home, normally this is where you would hear us talk about the news, but the uh, legend of the sea devils trailer just dropped for us on the day that we are recording this. And so I'm going to do a little bit of uh, magical editing and remove that entire conversation because by the time you hear this, we will have already seen legend of the sea devils. Mm. Um, Callum for, for the sake of posterity, uh, any, any, uh, you know, future predictions or, or wild swings you want to get on record now on the 3rd of April? Um, today on the 3rd of April, I, I, well, I don't have any predictions as such. Um, we did see a murka uh, or something approaching a Kraken-like underwater beast. So I am hoping against hope that we do get a update on the original murka um, creature from Warriors of the Deep. Um, the master's probably going to show up, I reckon. Um, and yeah, I reckon it's like an end of, end of the show teaser. Yeah. And, and Yaz will probably say something like, oh, Doctor, you never listen to me. And she'll be like, I guess I don't. And that'll be the extent of their character development for the episode. I can't wait to see how this ages. Um, yeah. Should we talk Great. about- Great. Should we talk about these episodes, James? 
I guess we should talk about these episodes. What a very organic way to lead us back into the conversation. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we are kicking things off today with the next Doctor. Series four, episode 14 is... Oh, well, actually, no, it's not really series four anymore. We're in a, the weird spot between series four and series five. So let's just call these it's series four specials. And special number one is the Christmas special, The Next Doctor, which is written by Russell T. Davies and directed by Andi Goddard. Andy Goddard is his name. Um, the Doctor lands in London, 1851, Christmas Eve. As he strolls about, he hears desperate calls for help from the Doctor, for the Doctor, sorry, and launches into action only to find another Doctor, quote-unquote, and companion, Rosita, on the hunt for Cybermen who have apparently been kidnapping children. The two Doctors hit it off as our Doctor attempts to understand why this new Doctor thinks he is the Doctor. Meanwhile, Miss Mercy Hartigan, a brilliantly intelligent but emotionally cold woman, has enlisted the Cybermen to usher in an industrial age in her image. The Doctor's run interference on her plans as the second Doctor recalls he is actually a man named Jackson Lake whose wife was killed by the Cybermen and his kid was also kidnapped. Things come to a head as Hartigan is converted into the Cyber King, a Dreadnought-style steampunk thing, and her unusually powerful brain overwrites the cyber code. A massive Cyberman, oh, that thing, rises from the Thames. The Doctor shoots it down using brainwaves or something and hard to get... Finish the sentence. And and Hardigan explodes. That's as far as I got in our plot description before I decided we just needed to start recording tonight. Um... I mean, Callum, it's, it's the pretty, next Doctor. It's pretty apt. I mean, that whole it is ending. Uh, like, <laughs> it's a fever dream. <laughs> it's something else. Um, we just in general talking about these two episodes back to back. I think you and I have both taken opposite opinions to each other for both of them. Where this is my least favorite of the two, but I think. Am I correct in saying Planet of the Dead is your sort of, not least oh. favourite, but not your favourite of these two? Yeah, look, I think they are, like, mm, spoilers, but, like, I, I think both of these episodes are pretty fine. Um, I think they're just okay episodes mm. of Doctor Who, nothing particularly special. Um, but Planet of the Dead I found particularly dull, um, whereas at least the next Doctor, while... I'd say more uneven than Planet of the Dead. Um, I think the next Doctor has at least uh, some interesting ideas and Hardigan is a incredible villain, in my opinion, um, up until she explodes from the brainwaves. But that's a whole other problem. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I fully agree with your take on the next Doctor. I just think that it kind of... It's kind of that thing where it's like, okay... <clears throat> If you're going to uh, aim for, you know, if you're going to shoot for an idea, you got to stick that landing. And by attempting to do this alternative Doctor storyline, and I, I think it, it more or less sort of fails. Um, And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I... I would rate it just slightly lower than Planet of the Dead, even though it doesn't pay to compare the two, um, because Planet of the Dead knows what it is from the very start and Mm. is that thing throughout. And it's not exciting necessarily, but it is consistent. 
Yeah, I, I get that. Um, we're not going to compare them the entire time. We'll, we'll sort of have a bit of an individual conversation about them. Yeah. But I do think an interesting point of comparison between these two and because of where they come in RTD's kind of like chronology of, of episodes here is that they are both effectively parodies of his very successful stories elsewhere in his time um in that you know we've got a whole oh there's another doctor oh there's a fob watch but it's just a massive kind of like goof right and yeah. at the end and so there's just no tension there's no, nothing really going on there mm. and then in planet of the dead you've essentially got a a really bright and cheerful midnight parody um <laughs> and I think that's interesting. I, I don't begrudge him wanting to maybe have some fun with these two specials because, you know, I definitely would have preferred if we had gone straight from the finale into Waters of Mars because I think it's a much more um, coherent, like, through line for the character work that they're doing with uh, the Doctor at this point. But as you rightfully pointed out to me, that is a just a metric fuckload of tragedy for, to, for a general audience to be dealing with. Um, and so yeah. I understand that these two are here. To maybe pull us back to the next Doctor more specifically, I am kind of shocked this is a christmas special though because it does not feel christmasy well seriously there's a lot of snow <laughs> it's victorian london oh well shit if there's snow i guess it must be christmas <laughs> <laughs> it's set at christmas i mean i don't know what more you want <laughs> yeah but i mean just saying it's christmas doesn't make it feel like a christmas episode you know I will admit, in comparison like, to some would, uh, oh. um, Russell's stories, uh, of Christmas stories, this is probably... But he's never been very good at, at doing Christmas stories. I've got to be completely honest. Like, um, The Runaway Bride is probably the only one that comes close to it. And that's only because it's got Catherine Tate and it's funny. Um, well, and, and true. And captures true. that feeling. But uh, in, in general... I guess there's an argument to be made that maybe the next Doctor feels like a... Um Oh, who's that old guy that wrote those books? And the guy's like, oh, I want more porridge, sir. <laughs> Oliver Twist, uh, Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. Yeah, it, it, I could sort of see it as like a Charles Dickens take on a Christmas story where it's like kind of a, a dark, grim fairy tale Christmas yeah. story. Um, you know, there's kids, there's coal. But don't forget, itself. we already had a Charles Dickens Christmas story in The Unquiet Dead. Was that also set at Christmas? Oh, it was snowing. It was set at Christmas, remember? Because he read a Christmas carol. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that episode feel, feels quaint by comparison now. Doesn't it just? Good episode. Yeah. Doesn't it just? Um, yeah, look, the next Doctor, it's fine. I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I think thinking about this episode in relation to, I th like, the big one obviously being, like, the 50th anniversary with John Hurt as a secret doctor, but now also with um, uh, the Ruth doctor as well. The concept of this episode feels so like twee in comparison to those, because, you know, whereas you have these, those two stories, which re like reveal an actual incarnation of the doctor who, who hasn't been revealed to this point, And another one who is part of a much larger, like forgotten history of the doctor. This is just, Oh, a man who forgot he was a man. Uh, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had a fugue state, he did. He did. He had Which, a like, fugue state. Um, and, and, and that's like, uh, it's an odd one because like that concept is actually quite 
brilliant mm. in a way. You know, the, the idea of like somebody suffering such a, a horrible tragedy that their brain, and of course there's some sci-fi wibbly wobbly involved in there as well, because there has to be to make this happen. But like the idea that a regular person undergoes a really horrible tragedy at the hands of a classic Who villain, and it causes like a complete fissure in their brain. And then they start believing they are the doctor as a way of coping with that grief could actually be a really interesting way of exploring the character of the doctor, the perceptions, mm. grief, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all quite, it's there. It's on the page. Mm. Um, I think what we get in the next doctor though is because, and again, maybe because it does want to be that sort of Christmas special. It, it's so preoccupied with like running around and tomfoolery and having fun that I feel like you don't really get, much of what could have made this interesting. And then when it finally does get revealed about the fugue state and the, the dead wife and the, the missing kid and whatnot, um, it's done in like a really dry exposition way and then immediately dropped for more sci-fi MacGuffins. Um, and so the episode doesn't really succeed as a, you know, potential doctor story, as you said, because there's, there's no tension in that. You don't, you don't really feel that from it. And it also doesn't succeed in a, a study of humanity because it's all just very surface level. It is pretty surface level, and um, and I completely agree with your take on that scene of revelation because it is. It's not. It's 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 almost like this core concept of this episode being a mysterious alternative Doctor, possibly the next Doctor, obviously to drum up some, um, sort of mystery in advance of David Tennant leaving. Um, it it that should have been more of a core concept to the episode, but it almost gets halfway through and just drops it entirely, which isn't a bad thing, which is not a bad thing necessarily if it's dropping it because it's upping the stakes or it's making, uh, or it's introducing a new, even more sort of intense level. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of like, oh, I figured out what's going on. You're a man. You forgot you, that you were a man because of the trauma of losing your family. Um, that's it. And goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, anyway, now we need to get to a giant Cyberman in the Thames. Exactly. Like, it just feels like it's kind of dropped and thrown away and, and not really satisfactorily picked up from that point on either, because it's not like he learns how to be a man. He just kind of gets his, or there's not any point to Jackson's character after that. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, he just, he becomes like the doctor worshiper and, but now especially so because he's got the whole doctor's history in his head, which isn't burning him out the way it did Donna, but whatever. It's no, it's fine. (laughs) But I couldn't help but think about that at the time as well. We were just doing like another one of those stories. Um, But yeah, yeah. Like you said, it just doesn't really say anything. Um, Jackson mostly fades from the story after a certain point. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you find out his son is still alive and they have a very awkward swashbuckling rescue of his of his kid Mm. um um yeah i i I don't know like i uh, and because it's so much of the episode is that that core who is this man and why does he think he's the doctor you know that there's extended bits about how he's got his own tardis but it turns out it's a hot air balloon he's got his own companion whose name is similar to rose like it's obviously really trying to do this um i i just didn't care about any of it and i i don't know where that disconnect comes from other than the fact that you know we've just come off of a finale and uh, a series four run where 
an examination of the Doctor's impact on the people that he spends time with and his role in the galaxy is starting to turn. And it's no longer this kind of like hyper-positive thing that the rest of RTD's era has presented him as. Um, and then so to immediately switch back to kind of like just like a fun, goofy adventure where everybody literally cheers for the Doctor at the end, mm. um, it it just doesn't sit right on the palate from a from an emotional point of view. Even if, you know, in, in a vacuum, the episode, like I said, it it's fine. Like I... It's fine. There's actually some stuff in here I really do like, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, I, I just kind of walk away from it like, okay, I watched it. Yeah, like, it doesn't hit you. It doesn't leave you with anything. It is It is a Christmas special in the most purest sense that Christmas specials in Doctor Who just exist to entertain for the season and the season alone. Um, but because it is, like, tr- because it... <laughs> is purporting to be much more about like the doctor, what makes the doctor and, and possible changes, even possibly to the, to the history of the doctor. Um, Mm. It just, it just comes across as as a, to me, at least it comes across as just a bit. um, It's just time wasting. Nothing. Yeah. Time wasting. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Which isn't yeah. to say it's not obviously it's entertainment. It <laughs> it's time wasting already. Um, well, yeah, but like you know, although okay, actually, question for you because you you seem to have a better grasp on on some of the sort of um, zeitgeist context for the when these episodes were airing. Mm. Do people genuinely think from those teasers that this might be the next Doctor? Like that was definitely the intention. Um, for sure. Okay. Uh, whether or not people believe, I think it was sort of to draw a mystery of like, is this the next doctor? Is this not? You'll have to tune into Christmas special 2008 to find out. Right. Um, okay. and there was already so much like, you know, we're talking about like an, ep- like the series four finale, which was the biggest, or it was the, like, it was just, it was the peak of doctor who's, his, um, popularity mm-hmm. basically for this new era. Yeah. Um, and obviously keen they were keen to keep it going um so the idea of david Turner's replacement was just like like they're like every year when or every time a doctor regenerates there's betting systems and big money goes into betting on who the next doctor could possibly be but it was never at such a fever pitch as it was this time um and so yeah like all of that was definitely used for the marketing of this episode's advantage um which just now that I'm saying it, like puts it at an even higher level than I even thought about rewatching it, which is just like, I can't, I don't even remember what I thought in 2008 watching this for the first time. Um, but I think I, and a lot of people, I guess as well, probably guessed this wasn't going to be the doctor. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to be like, oh, if there are any olds in the audience, why don't you tell us how that felt at the time? And I was like, oh my God, we were teenagers then. What am I fucking talking about? <laughs> Truly. I don't know how old I was. That uh, this would have been like 2008. It would have been 14, 15. Yeah. Yikes. So I, yeah, I was drinking age. Whew. Oh my God. I mean, Australian drinking age. So 18, but still calm, calm your socks. We have us listeners. Um, yes. Anyway, look on the flip side. Um, let's talk about, uh, Miss Mercy Hartigan. Arguably the best part about this episode. If you agree. I do. I, I, I think she is phenomenally mm. fun. Um, the concept of the, like, vampy, downtrodden woman rising up to, you know, ima- 
emasculate, demasculate, emasculate. No, no, emasculate, emasculate. Yeah, it's it's been a long week. Uh, to like emasculate the um the supposedly good and upstanding men in the community. There's like an amazing scene where she goes to a funeral of one of the dudes that her cyber boys have killed. Um, and she goes there in this like a gorgeous red dress and they're like, Hey, this is super inappropriate. And she's like, you want to fucking talk about inappropriate? Mm. Like all of you ogle me. I I see the way that you flaunt your, your privilege in the city. It's just really fun stuff. And as a basis and a foundation for a villain, um, I think it actually works really well because, you know, you might not necessarily sympathize with the fact that she doesn't seem to give a shit about killing children. Oh, um, (laughs) but the girl bossing elements of it, you're like, yeah, you know what? I, I understand where you're coming from and I I like the journey that we're that we're on with that character. And then that gets kicked up like a thousand times when she gets converted into the Cyber King, but instead of the Cyberman programming overriding her, she overrides the programming, which is an incredibly cool Cyberman idea and you know, a new way of using a classic villain. Um Agreed. It mm. What I'm trying to say here, um, I think that ultimately Miss Hardigan uh, is a brilliant character in theory, but I don't think I feel it to quite the extent that you do. I definitely haven't thought about it to the extent you have. Well, I mean, look, okay, I watched this last night. I needed something to grapple on to to not dislike the episode because, like, if it wasn't for her, I I would be just like, all right, C minus. I have nothing to say. Um, so you know, I I at least enjoy looking for the potential in, in a lot of these things. Um, and so while again, I don't think anything this episode actually sort of excels above moderately okay um, for an episode within that context. She is at least interesting to me. Mm. Um, the only thing I have a major problem with with her is how her story ends, which I mean, I generally find is something that um, media does with women or with with um, antagonists and villains who who are women in the same vein as um, Hardigan, which is, you know, this concept that these hyper competent, super intelligent, cold, calculating and, you know, usually su- mostly successful women who are villains always need to be undone by somebody reminding them to quote-unquote feel again. Um, and I, I really don't like what that sort of like... The, the, the subtle gender politics of that, of being like, oh, well, if she could just remember how to be a real woman, this wouldn't be a problem. I, I don't like that implication that's going on in a lot of those texts. Mm. Um, and I, I think that you'd have a much more satisfying end to her arc here if, you know, he still breaks the cyber control, whatever, but like she should go down with the convictions of her choices because this is a character whose choices held so much conviction that she overrid the Cyberman. And so the idea that suddenly the doctor's like, hey, remember empathy? And she's like, oh my God, and explodes <laughs> is just so categorically stupid. It's so curious you say this because when I was reading a little bit about the episode before we recorded, um, I learned something new about it, which I hadn't known before. Can I, can I talk to you about this? Oh, of course. Um, so Russell T Davies doesn't like the ending to this episode. Um, really? he said afterwards that, you know, um, there should have been, he came up with an alternative ending basically, which was that, uh, when Miss Hardigan took control or of the cyber King, um, and then I suppose lost control when she became human, um, that she should have redeemed herself by 
essentially caught like when the cyber king starts to fall over and the doctor shoots it with a dimension gun thing yeah um she should have um she should have uh rediscovered her humanity and uh warped the whole thing away before it could fall on london um and right okay he said i think his quote is like he said i can't bear that there could have been a better ending than the one we actually transmitted um, I mean, he's not wrong just for the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, it's curious. Like, I, 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 I like this ending that he's reimagined post-transmission. Uh, and I see what mm-hmm. you're saying. I see what you're saying. But ultimately, drama has to be about how people change, right? Like, it's about... Or, or don't. And then the hubris that is created from not changing. Um. Yeah. I I guess that the alternative would have been way... Although, I don't know. I was going to say it would have been too dark for a children's series, but actually she is a villain, so it would make She's sense. literally out here being like, oh, crush the bones of children to fuel my big machine, boys. Like, mm. she's already pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. Yeah, I hear you. Actually, I think that whole ending... like we, I And mean, I think we will get to it in just a little bit, but that whole ending is just mess incarnate. <laughs> It is messy. It truly is. Like a kaiju-sized Cyberman <laughs> stomping all over London. My favorite part about Hardigan's whole like time up in that big cyber machine is that she's like, hello everybody, I'm here to <laughs> usher in a new age of you know industrial prosperity. Let's fucking get it, sis. And then everyone starts screaming, and she's like, I'm sorry, why is everyone screaming? And starts firing missiles at them. <laughs> Um, and just the, the the contrast between why do they fear me while she's stomping around murdering people is so funny and out of character. But God, it's amusing. Oh my God, I I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Like like you said, that whole ending is just between like finding out that um the dude's kid is alive and the doctor the doctor rescuing the kid and not the dad um is a really odd choice to me. So fucking bizarre. Like, and that's what I mean, yeah. like, that, the, the, his emotional, like, uh, when I say his, I mean Jackson Lake's emotional uh, sort of journey from the point of realisation to the end is one of, like, it basically consists of just remembering scenes, but it's the Doctor Who, it is a weird thing with this era, not weird in particular, but it, they do really work to make the Doctor the absolute out-and-out action hero, which comes yeah. at the expense of your supporting characters, like, emotional reality sometimes yes yep completely agreed um um i was gonna say let's talk about the cyber shades because oh yeah the hairy cyberman boys hairy um you know folks i did not know the name of this episode for the longest time so i just kept calling it the hairy cyberman episode um hot take when they're filmed in darkness i think they look incredible uh under the ground under the Thames with the where they come up like snarling dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that works really, really well. Um, I think the the that your first scene with them is in broad daylight is a just a complete misfire. Well, those um, the shroud, the float, the cloaky things. I suppose they were meant to be cloaks over the top of a um, uh, a sort of a cyberpunky kind of Cyberman design. Um, oh, but then cool. it became more cost effective to just do the faceplate and then a big shaggy thing, like a sack, right. basically. Um, 
and it is the worst. It is a, a bad choice. It is a bad direction to go through if you're going to do a cyberpunk style cyber. I think they're called cyber shades, um, and, and not the right approach. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yes, com- completely agreed. Um, it's just, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> the next doctor. It is what it is. The next doctor. It is what it is. Um, the ending is is we've we've t- touched on it briefly, but um, basically the doctor goes up in a balloon. Um, he causes. Madam Hart, Miss Mercy Hartigan to have a meltdown and then he shoots her with a gun <laughs> and a brain gun. A brain, it's a, it's a Dalek dimension vault cannon thing. Basically it's the thing. Oh fuck. I'm, I'm trying really hard to remember the <laughs> mechanics of this episode. It doesn't, it's, it really doesn't matter. It's a device th- with the Daleks built that the Cybermen used to get back after the events of the series two finale, I want to say. Um, and he basically uses it to, to, to throw the cyber King into the void. Um, he uses a fucking gun. Like that's just how bad this episode is at wrapping this story up. Like, and yeah, it's very, very clunky. And we're going to get to it again. Cause there's another gun that's coming up. A very important gun. Is that? In the end of time. Oh, God. I don't want to think about the end of time right now. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Look, I think on the whole, the evocation of, like, um, Victorian-era London is pretty cool. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. nice to get it again. I think the show does it very well. Um, But uh, the the episode is is just dog's balls. (laughs) No, it's not. But it's not great either. So, um, the next doctor. What are you giving it? C, bordering on C minus. Okay, I'm gonna go with a C plus. The plus is for Hartigan. Ah, that look and fair yeah. enough. And fair enough. I've been pretty down on this episode, and you're you're trying to bring us back up. So I thank you for that. Oh, look, I'm indifferent. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm keenly aware of the fact that um, by the time our listeners get to this one, they would have heard us talk about the series four finale, which we obviously didn't love. And they might've also heard us tear strips off of another Chibnall episode. So who knows? Who knows where everyone's going to be at? That's the fun of recording before these things happen. Um, True. All right. Well, I guess we'll be back with Planet of the Dead. The second of our Series 4 specials is Planet of the Dead, written by Russell T. Davies and somebody who doesn't deserve to be named. (laughs) It has been directed by James Strong, and in Planet of the Dead, the Doctor and Jill Feath, Lady Christina D'Souza, along with a bus full of humans, are transported through a wormhole to a barren desert planet. There, they discover an alien swarm of stingrays have eaten everything and everyone on the planet, and plan to jump into Earth next. He guds! (laughs) With the help of some alien tritovores and their crash ship, the Doctor makes the bus they came on fly black through the wormhole, where Lady Christina flies away to safety even though she's a thief and should go to jail. Callum believes in punitive justice. Um, Callum, Planet of the Dead. Hi, Hollywood Con. No. What is the name of the planet? Wow, I I fucking derailed us so bad. Um 
Planet of the Dead. Is Punitive Justice the one I was thinking of? Yeah, Punitive Justice is more like, um, like death penalty, like punishment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I wanted then. That's fine. Okay. Well, jail isn't that. Great. Jail is. She's a thief. She should go to jail. Okay. Yeah, she shouldn't. Anyway, (laughs) stealing from the rich is not. No. Are you telling me that a thief? Who fucking steals a priceless artifact from the museum is not a criminal? Well, don't you know? She was just doing it for adventure, for the thrill of it all. She's part She's of the aristocracy. To be... She oh. should go to jail because she... It was probably hers. <laughs> it was probably her family's. She's actually just... It's the D'Souza Cup. <laughs> She's just writing a wrong. She's just like Robin Hood. Exactly. Or that guy in Black Panther. Or that guy in Black Panther. We have devolved so far. Let us get back on the right track. Um, Planet of the Dead. I genuinely enjoyed this story. Just as a mere frivolity, a mere hour of entertainment. I thought it was solid. I thought it looked amazing. Um, I thought it was just a fun little romp. Now, obviously, me saying it's just a fun little romp doesn't excuse it from criticism, nor should it. Um, And you can definitely criticise a lot about this story and also its lack of ambition on the flip side. Um, But I do think it's a fairly inoffensive, on the whole, little story. (laughs) What do you think? Um, Yes, I I also think it's inoffensive um to the point of offense (laughs) 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 Uh, no it's it's just um i don't know i I, because the watch order i did for this is i initially watched half of the um the next doctor way back in the day when i was doing my um uh sort of run through of of new who Mm -hmm. um and i really don't remember enjoying it and so calm and i talked about recording this episode and that I'd have to revisit these ones. And he was like, just watch planet of the dead first. And you know, it'll get you at least excited to be back into doctor who. Um, and so I went in, not not even with high hopes, just like with a very open mind. Like I was like, fuck yeah, I'm just ready for doctor who in my life again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, as, as it began, I was like, okay, this is kind of cheesy, kind of hokey. I'm okay with that. We can have fun with this. The bus stuff was interesting. And then as the, as the episode wears on, I just got progressively more and more bored by it. Um, I, I think it, it's just, it's, it's total fluff. Um, and that doesn't not have a place in things. Mm. I, I think enjoying fluff is, is totally okay. Um, it, one, it does make it really difficult to talk about it in any sort of deep critical sense on, on a show like the way that we do, because, you know, we could give you like a, a broad overview of what happens in the episode, but that's not really the same thing as engaging with it critically. Um, and two, I, again, I just, I just think it's boring. It's not, it's, it's, it's definitely not, like I said, the most ambitious of stories and that, and I mean, the plot synopsis alone should tell you that there's just not anything here in terms of an actual story. Um, there's no, there's really no mystery beyond the, there really isn't any mystery at all beyond who created the wormhole. And even that's like not really treated as particularly interesting in and of itself in some ways. Um, there is there are a lot of elements that could have made it uh better um but i think ultimately what sells this episode for me is that it just it it really does look 
great. Historically speaking, this is the first um, HD episode of Doctor Who, um, <laughs> which is just wild to think about now. Um, and they really do sell it. Like, it's overseas filming in Dubai with amazing alien sand vistas. Um, the swarm on the whole look great. Um, and I, I do think it is David Tennant kind of firing at his, at his most like appealing. Um, he's definitely yeah, charm. Yeah. He's charming in this episode. He is charming. And it's, it's the inversion of the, um, the midnight problem, right? Where mm. instead of coming across as kind of a weirdo strapped on a, on a bus with a bunch of humans, he comes across as the best version of himself here. Um, which as a, one of the few last episodes that you get with him, I definitely see the merits in doing that. Hmm. It, it is definitely an episode about the how the Doctor is basically just adored. Like, he is the hero from the beginning to the end. Um, and considering where that he's going in the next story, this is... It, it, it's a nice balance. It's a shame that that has to be such an extreme balance. Like, that mm-hmm. there isn't more nuance, a bit more shade. Um, but it's, 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 it is necessary nonetheless, I suppose. Um, I think the most offensive part of this episode to me is Lady Christina D'Souza. Because she's she... just such a not a real woman character. <laughs> um, she is the plaything of every single man who's ever tried to write the competent, sexy woman. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's offensive because there's ultimately nothing about her character that crosses over into the kind of like weird objectification sexualization um mm. that you could be doing with her um I, I, yeah it's not offensive it's just really it's just kind of lame it is super lame um jewel thieves and jewel and thievery in general <laughs> shouldn't be condoned and i don't condone it um no i i personally condoned condone most thievery but that's me you, I know. I know you're. You're just trying to get a rise out of me. Um, no, I'm just saying stealing from organizations is not the same thing as stealing from your fellow citizen. That's all I'm gonna say. Hmm. Yeah, Mr. BBC, what are you gonna do about it now? <laughs> I said it. Yeah, I can't unsay it. <laughs> um. Look, that's not the point. Obviously. Um. Yeah. She's. She's. She's a comic book character in like a really lo-fi sense and. Um, mm-hmm. and it's funny to me that she's gone on to have like a, another life as a, in like her own series on big Finnish audios, because it's just like, you could have just, you picked the most nothing character from the entire lexicon of Doctor Who and gave her a series. Like what? Although Jackie Tyler has a series as well. So, you know, <laughs> there are some, well, good she's things. not a nothing character. She so. exactly. She is not a nothing character. So it makes perfect sense. Um, mm. um, it, she, she just is. A- I'll be honest. F- oh, sorry. Mm. Just for a hot minute, I genuinely was like, "Is this Gwen Cooper as well?" <laughs> um. <laughs> well, like that would have been interesting, you know. Gwen goes off on an adventure with the Doctor on her own. Like that would have been cool. But we get this- that actually would have been cool. This would be, and then they could have done the whole like, "Oh, you're from Cardiff from 1800s. Well, that's really exciting." Um, <laughs> thing. <laughs> Um, Do you have same face as other actors? That would be kooky fun. 
Um, everyone should go and watch Meg Stolter's uh, Hollywood Calling Shay Diaz video. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, there was definitely a conversation we had tonight about potentially just making our 50th episode, just a general chat about the things we're enjoying in our lives at the moment. Um, and I definitely feel like we would have talked about Meg Stolter's videos. We would have talked about Meg Stolter. We would have talked about Abby Harrison. No, Patty Harrison. Um <laughs> We would have talked about... I need parenting advice from you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are losing it, folks. What happened to my tables? They're filthy. (laughs) All I said to him was, you're a fucking pig. (laughs) That's when he snapped. I thought he was going to kill me. I'm so sorry, folks. There's just there's very little going on in Planet of the Dead. And so uh, mm. we're, we're getting a little sidetracked. You know what I do like about Planet of the Dead? Can I be completely honest? Tell me. Uh, the mm-hmm. little fly boys. They look cool. Well, I mean, they're just big flies. <laughs> they, are, they are just big flies, which is Russell T's like bread and butter. He's like, what, what's, a, what's an alien that, what's an animal that fits the desert? Flies? Stick them in there. Doesn't matter they're not native to the planet at all. Stick them in there. (laughs) Stick them in there. I guess, like, you know, you you find out that the... Okay. the the, uh, Admittedly, I I may have, you know, sort of... um, just phased out during some of the exposition here. But mm. the idea that the, this planet of the dead, the desert planet, is... Uh, it used to be like a thriving metropolis, right? Mm-hmm. It did. Okay. Is that also the Flyboys planet? No, they they just came to the planet to trade with the original inhabitants. And then I suppose okay, cool. one of the stingrays got in their ship and brought it down. Right. Okay. So, you know... You could almost, if you squinted, see a, like, global warming, natural disaster kind of bent to some of this. You're stretching. But, well, I mean, well, I got to do something here, Russell. Like, (laughs) Russell, you're giving me nothing, man. Um, I don't like the uh, Mm. mystical black woman trope that shows up in this. I think that's cheap. It's it's bad, isn't it? And... Yeah, like that's that's well worth criticizing. It's so. Uh, I think her name's even her name's Carmen. For God's sake, like. It, mm. Yeah, it's it's just not it's not great. Not here for it. Not here for it. Um, no. What about the Doctor Worship character on Earth, the precursor to uh, Osgood? One might say. I was gonna say very a lot of Osgood vibes from from that one. Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever. He, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got less in my tank than a bus that's been ripped through a portal. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, what we're coming up against, listeners, is just that these are two episodes which, um, as we said in pre- previously, like they are, they are just, they are just out and out entertainment. And I think Planet of the Dead in particular is is not an episode that warrants or even wash, wishes to be talked. It talked about post-watching. It exists for the hour in which it's watched and then never mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to sort of talk about an episode that that uh, is, is just filler. And this also, it's very curious that we're doing this story now in anticipation of Legend of the Sea Devils, which is arguably the le- Planet of the Dead of... The current era. And look, Planet of the Dead was the first Easter special. Planet of the Dead was the nope. first Easter special. This is going to be the second one coming up. They're both like being, they're both basically the 
last chance for the Doctor to have fun before they regenerate um, stories. Um, well, truly, I mean, that's how they're positioning Legend of the Sea Devils. Is mm. I think they've specifically said this is the last chance for Jodie to have had fun in the role before we enter the end game. Mm. Um, and I can see why Planet of the Dead is that for Matt Smith. It's it's a, not sorry, not Matt Smith. Uh, David Tennant. It, it's a very um, RTD adventure. It has all of his tropes, all of his problems. Um, mm. It's fine. I didn't like it, but it, yeah, not in like an aggressive way, you know, but. And it's funny, we haven't obviously haven't seen Legend of the Sea Devils yet, but, and I'm going basing this on the, the trailer, basically, but I feel like that's going to be at least important to the Doctor's uh, journey for the their end, basically. Whereas this episode is just, you could take it out and it would make no difference whatsoever. Well, you could take both of these you, episodes out and it would make no difference. <laughs> that's very, very true. That's very, very true. And I, that's one other thing I think we could sort of, just talk about as by way of a wrap up is just like how does these how do these two really connect the the final David Tennant stories and the series four finale which was very emotionally harrowing and I think they they just don't <laughs> they don't do anything they, they, yeah they they don't they're an opportunity for a breath of fresh air before you have to go back under for Waters of Mars huh see what I did there oh. unintentionally oh. um but like I said about the next Doctor um Waters of Mars is such a clear and natural progression for where things are going with the doctor at this point. Mm. And so, you know, just slapping these two in the middle there, um, I, I don't particularly care for, um, it, especially because like, you know, waters of Mars is very specifically a story about a man who reaches his breaking point with losing people. Um, and so to walk into that story off of the back of planet of the dead, which is specifically a story about losing no people and if anything a really uplifting tale of of humanity and survivability and adaptability uh it's just very mismatched uh very much so it it's um (sighs) yeah i couldn't have put it more better actually yeah um, on that note, though, for a positive, and I feel like we, we, we should wrap this one up on a positive because hmm. there is a really good scene that you uh, mentioned to me, you highlighted to me. But that moment when buses rip through the place, uh, all the people are having a bit of a moment um, and the doctor calms down the tension in the room by having everybody go around yeah. and say the thing that they were on their way to do. Um, really simple, really effective, very good RTD-isms going on in that, um, which, you know, little asterisks there. It's very heteronormative as well, mm. but whatever. That's that's my general gripe with him. Um, but yeah, do really like that scene, and I'm glad you brought it to my attention. It's. I think it's just a really nice summation of the best of humanity stuff that Russell does. And I, we've talked so much about how that's not his strong suit. That's not what he's you know well positioned to do. He does tragedy. He does drama. Uh, he doesn't do this kind of stuff particularly well but in this scene in particular mm-hmm. it works and i think it almost works better for them not for them being completely and utterly random new characters and um because it, they become metaphorical i suppose um by yeah having no specific character traits sort of put on them um they are a general snapshot of humanity that the doctor can address and to say I'm going to get you home. I'm going to get you back home. 
and it also speaks to Russell's like philosophy, I suppose, on on the relationship of between Earth and the universe, which is that Earth is safe, Earth is home, and that's where you need to be, not in the stars. At, you need to be at home. Yeah, <laughs> is that too big a, a, a swing? No, look, I, I'm, I'm down. I, I think, I think that's a that's a, a salient point, uh, and yeah. Planet of the Dead. What are you giving it? A B. Solid B. Okay. I'm going with a C minus. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow. What a phenomenal episode, pairing of episodes to do our episode 50 on. <laughs> uh, I I personally wanted us to do episode 50 on uh, Waters of Mars, and it was it looked like it was going to work out that way for a period of time. Uh, but then the, uh, the Chibnall era threw too many curveballs mm. at us, and here we are. Look, let's just Thanks, say Chris. this is episode 49.5 and next week is our 50th episode. Woo! Wonderful. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Exceptional. Um, look, sincerely though, Waters of Mars is going to be an incredible time. Uh, we wait. have three episodes coming up that, you know, Waters of Mars is phenomenal. The end of time two-parter is... We're going to talk. At least Interesting to talk about yeah. um, in, in a way that the series four finale isn't. I think the series four finale is outright bad. The, the end of time stuff is weird. Um, mm. And that's, that's intriguing to, to talk about at least. Um, so yeah. Um, uh, thank you folks out there for listening to us for this episode uh, and for 50 episodes so far, we really do appreciate if you've stuck with us for the entire run and we uh, can't wait to give you another 50 episodes of Two Hearts, a New Who podcast. Um, if you'd like, you can always get in touch with us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's two, the word two. Um, as we said, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Two Hearts Pod, the number two. Uh, you can also drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show. Um, just to give us a little shout out and... It, uh, let us know you're there. It would really make the difference. Um, I've been Callum. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Theatric Callum. And I've been James. You can find me on Twitter at OMG More James. While we are briefly on the topic of Twitter, though, given that this is our 50th, I feel it is only fitting that we do a special shout out of our own to Maddie Jones. Maddie? Thank you so much for the constant promotion and reminding me to post our episodes on Twitter more often. Uh, your little interactions are sincerely some of my favorites on that entire app. So thank you. And I have no one to thank other than you, James, for being such a successful co-host. And I have no one to thank other than myself for being such a successful host. Good night, everybody. You're such a piece of shit. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Are you seriously not going to thank me? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh my god, you <laughs> fucking suck. You're a fucking pig. <laughs> you don't know how to treat the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Was that our ending? <laughs> god, you're a fucking pig.